Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. The cream of the crop. Bottle boom! Realest guys in the room, how you doing? Do I have everybody's attention now? Welcome back to Wrestling with Edwards with your host, Scotty Wrestling. This week is going to be a big episode, and it's something I expected in some ways. In other ways, I didn't expect at all. We have a lot to cover. It's going to be a good time. We'll be talking NXT, TakeOver, War Games, previewing and predicting that show. We will be talking... Raw, SmackDown, Stardom, Live Forever's the documentary on WWE Network about Liv Morgan. But most importantly, we're going to kick it right off with AEW. This recording is fresh off of that show, so there's a lot of thoughts going through the head. This was a big show. The official Winter is Coming show, they, they promised it would be a big one, and my oh my did it deliver. It wasn't a show that I was expecting to deliver the way it did in some ways. I expected it to be a big show because I expected a title change, but what came with that is massive. So let's, you know, jump right in. The night started with the uh, Diamond Ring Battle Royal, and I have a question of why MJF had to compete in this. I feel like he should have been automatically on next week, and whoever wins this match fights for that ring. Now, he ended up uh, getting to the end, it will be him versus Orange Cassidy next week. And I think this is a match that is good for Cassidy. Like you wanted to give him you wanted to give him a bone, per se. And I still don't understand the point of the ring. We haven't really gotten much out of it. I mean, do we just know MJF had it the whole year and he used it to cheat on multiple occasions. So I guess, you know what, Cassidy can win it. And they tease the breakup of the Inner Circle next week, which I don't expect. I think these this group is going to get back on the same page eventually, but that was the tease. And now let's get to one of the two major moments of the night. Darby Allen and Cody face Will Hobbs and Ricky Starks. Uh, the match is coming down to the end, and... Darby wins. Darby pins Ricky Starks in the middle of the ring. And Team Taz, you know, of course, they're going to attack and go crazy. And people are funneling out. We watch Ryan Anderson get taken out. We watch Dustin Rhodes get taken out. Brian Cage and... What are, I don't even know what the names are at this point. Like, there's so much to think about. Brian Cage, Hobbs, and Starks are owning the ring. And they're about to, you know, hit... Hobbs is about to hit Cody, I believe, with the title on the head. The FTW title. And that's when the lights go out. And I was like, okay. Here we go. And this is where the Winter's Coming theme really came into effect. Because as a Game of Thrones fan, I was wondering, is this just, you know, a theme? Kind of like how WWE's been doing the 
best of the best on Survivor Series, stuff like that. Give it a theme show, make it feel a little special. But it it seems to be with this character. And this character happens to be a legend. A legend in his very own right. That legend is Sting. Tony Schiavone screamed, it's Sting at the top of his lungs like it was back in WCW. For the first time since 2001, Sting was on TNT. And the arena erupted. Like, you know, they don't have a full arena. But in a sense, they also have a good, a decent arena. And Sting's walking around the ring. Uh, Team Taz runs away. He stares at Cody, Arn Anderson, Dustin, and he really gives a good look at Darby Allen because, as you know, we've been getting teased for some time now that Sting and Darby Allen could be comparable in the sense of the way they act and the face paint. So that was interesting. But Sting is all elite. He is officially all elite. He is signed to the company. Who knows what he's going to be doing. I assume he's going to be wrestling. And the last time we saw him wrestle, we thought his career was over. When he faced Seth Rollins in, I want to say, 2014 or 15. Um, and that, at uh, Night of Champions, where it was for the WWE title and he lost. So I am wondering, where does Sting go from here? What's his plan? Is he going to be like a mentor to Darby Allin? Is he going to wrestle Cody? Is he going to wrestle Dustin? How much is he going to wrestle? Because I, I can't imagine him wrestling a lot. He's up there in age. But it's still exciting because as a Sting fan, I remember his shock debut in WWE. And it's one of the best debuts ever. And this was pretty cool. It doesn't match up, per se. I guess it helps that you know they had a full arena then. And WWE was the one place he never had been. So that also helps. But... I'm excited to see where this goes. This was shocking. It was stunning. It was awesome. Plain and simple. Now we get to the main event. John Moxley versus Kenny Omega. For the AEW World Championship, John Moxley is 20-0 on the year. No one has beaten him. He's been a dominant AEW World Champion. This is a TV show, so... You don't necessarily expect the world title to change on Dynamite. But with a pay-per-view not coming till February, it made me think that Omega's walking out with this. It's time. I said that last week. And that's what we got. Kenny Omega is the new AEW World Champion in an excellent match back and forth. But the way it happened is what matters. So, Moxley drops Kenny on his head on the outside of the um, ring. Kind of on the cement. A bunch of officials come running by. Don Callis, who's on commentary, walks over because, of course, he's Kenny's friend. He's going to check on his friend. And John Moxley is not having it. He's like, okay, I just want to win this match. Grabs Omega, pulls him back into the ring. Don Callis gets a mic and says, hey, he's hurt. He's hurt. Let him go. He put uh, Callis puts his hand on the back of Moxley. Moxley turns around, jabs him down. That microphone that he's talking on falls into the ring. Kenny Omega picks that up, smashes Moxley in the head with it. No, uh, the ref does not see it. Hits him with four V-triggers. One winged angel, one, two, three. Kenny Omega is your new world champion. But that's not the spiciest part of the night, folks. 
Omega and Don Callis are running out of the building, essentially, after the win. It was like a heist situation. We didn't know what was going on, why they were running. They get to their car, and Alex Marvez is doing his job. He's asking, hey, what is next? What was that all about? And Callis goes, you will learn on Tuesday. And Marvez, you know, Marvez, just like us, goes, "Uh, dude, Dynamite's not on Tuesdays. He said, Tuesday on Impact. If you don't know, Don Callis is one of the uh, head bookers of Impact Wrestling, which is on Access TV. And now it looks like AEW and Impact Wrestling are in cahoots, ladies and gentlemen. Kenny Omega will be appearing on Impact Wrestling this coming week. This week, Kenny Omega on Impact. If this is a beginning of things to come, because... Listen, AEW giving them Kenny Omega for even one episode is a major get for Impact. That is going to be the most watched episode of Impact since they are on Spike. Mark my words. Now the idea is, where does this go? Where does this combination go? Will we be seeing AEW and Impact split talent? I think yes. I think that's the way we need to go. Because... AEW has all this incredible talent, especially when it comes to their tag teams and men's roster. What Impact has is one of the best women divisions in the world. I put them 1A to 1B or 1B to 1A of NXTs when it comes to the United States. And now that AEW might have the chance of mixing those people, Jordan Grace, Deanna Perrazzo, the list goes on, into their roster, that's major. This combination has so many people talking, rightfully so, because this is the first time in a long time we see two American companies work together like this, two American companies that have TV deals, because we're so used to the WWE way, you can't have these combinations. They never want to work with anyone. They don't care. They don't care. But AEW is willing to do it. And, you know, Don Callis' involvement in the past month, month or two, because he was on um, announcing for Kenny's match with Hangman. So, you know, they plant that seed. And now he's clearly with Omega. The, the way we're going forward is that Omega and Callis are going to be a connection, which I'm really, I'm really appreciative of, and I think it's going to be great. But now we have these matchups. I've seen Motor City Machine Guns against, you know, all these teams. They can rekindle their rivalry with the Young Bucks, who I don't remember the last time we saw them fight. Probably in Ring of Honor, if I had to guess. Uh, we have the North being able to fight FTR and the Young Bucks, and... All of these teams, there's so many things. Sammy Callahan and John Moxley can renew their rivalry. I can go down a list here. There's so many names. Rich Swan versus Kenny Omega, champion versus champion match. The Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson with the Bucks again. There are so many ways this could go. And the women's division, Jordan Grace versus Sheeta, Perrazzo versus Sheeta, you know, Baker versus Perrazzo. Like, these are... A lot of moving parts, but it's very exciting for wrestling fans. Impact's a must-watch show next week. 
AEW is a must-watch show next week. WWE is getting hit major by this because there is so much hype in the idea that these two companies are working together, and if they split talent, clearly they're going to split talent if Kenny Omega is going to go on Impact. There's no way AEW comes out of this with just Don Callis appearing on TV. Like, there's no way that's happening. So it gets the ideas flowing. Where are we going with this? No matter what, it's exciting for professional wrestling fans. It's exciting for me. It's exciting for you. I can't wait to see where this goes because this is great for professional wrestling. These relationships are great. They can only benefit from each other. Plain and simple. I love where this is going. I'm very excited to see how they do this. Maybe it's just like a couple month thing. That's fine by me. I don't think they should necessarily stay intertwined forever. As in, you know, they shouldn't be trading talent back and forth for the next five years. But keeping this relationship where, you know, you you come back and forth. Kind of like how NXT's used with the main roster once in a while. You come back and forth. You could do an Impact AEW Invasion type thing. Like, there's so many ways they're going to go with this. I'm very excited. But it's official. AEW and Impact Wrestling are in cahoots. Kenny Omega is your new AEW World Champion. And Sting is all elite. That was the first 15 minutes, essentially, of this show. I didn't know where I was going to start. I was... Considering starting with Live Forever, that's what we're going to do next. We're going to finish off with NXT. But I had to kick off the show with the biggest thing. The biggest thing to happen in wrestling in some time, I think. You know, I was going to start off with Sting. Because Sting was the biggest thing. And then this Impact AEW relationship was formed at the end of the night. So... Two must-see shows next week. We will be covering both Impact and AEW next week. Make sure to stick around and enjoy that. Now, let's get on to everything else. Because that was a lot. Live Forever. This is a documentary, 42 minutes, nothing too long about the career of Liv Morgan to this point. And when I saw this announced, I thought it was a very interesting idea by WWE because most of their docs are WWE24s about, you know, these big stars that they are either pushing as we speak or coming off their big moments. As we have a Keith Lee coming out one this uh, one coming out this month, so that's that's my case. And I saw the special Live Forever, and I thought, okay, they're giving something to Liv Morgan. And you know, since they announced that they haven't done too too much with her, they did give her the big win to get to Survivor Series. But other than that, that's all they've done. So I was going into it interested, very interested as a Liv Morgan fan. I've talked about her name on the show many times in the past couple of months. So you can imagine my excitement. Now, let me let's dig into the show. You know, she set us up. She talked about her first years of her life, her life with her mom, her life with her brothers, 
how she loved WWE since she was young. She dropped out of high school to pursue this. She worked at a Hooters as a model and a waitress. And she was found at the same gym that Triple H goes to. And that's where she was signed in 2014. So we that's the catch-up. And then they move forward to the day of the WWE draft when the Riot Squad was broken up. Because this is another, this is about a 16-month journey, I believe Morgan has said, of the camera crews following her around and capturing how she was feeling during this time. Because if you remember, when the Riot Squad was broken up, everyone, including myself, thought, okay, this is Liv's time to shine. They're going to give her a platform and she's going to shine. And, you know, they talked about how Ruby and uh, Sarah Logan continuously talked about how they would keep telling her, don't worry, they're coming up with something. And then after a while, they didn't feel that anymore. They couldn't lie to their friend. It was a point where they were unsure what to say to live and it took 13 weeks from that draft for her to finally get on tv it's the night we were if you remember correctly where live goes to it was the town hall on smackdown live you know pretty much challenges charlotte flair saying you know it's because of you people like me don't get these opportunities and she had a competitive match. She had a great showing. She looked good in the ring. She lost, of course, because she was facing Charlotte. She went on the microphone after and said, Charlotte was right. When I, when I come back, I'm going to be real. And that was it. Liv Morgan tried and tried and tried to come up with characters that she exemplified in this documentary to get her back on TV. Because as a wrestler, your goal should always to be on television. And for her, what she did was she kept going to the Performance Center to get better and better. And I've said she's a very good in-ring competitor in my eyes now. And it helps that... She used that time to get better. Because people in that spot might not be willing to do that. So, you see this, and you cheer more and more for Liv. Like, the way she grew up, alone, you'd want to cheer for Liv. But the way she was treated by creative automatically makes you like, okay... This girl deserves a chance because she's doing everything in her power to get on TV, to get better in the ring. She didn't come in with an independent wrestling background. She didn't come with any wrestling background. She was a cheerleader in high school who went to the gym. She dropped out of high school. So you automatically are cheering for her, and then you get to this story where She's working and working and working. And then she has a dark match. She finally gets to go out in front of an audience and have a match with Ember Moon. It's going to be a dark match. 45 seconds between before she is expected to walk out there, they cancel her match. 
because Vince McMahon didn't want anyone to see Liv Morgan until she was in her final form. Well, that final form eventually turned out to be whatever the hell that Lana gimmick was, where she was her lover, remember? Because Paul Heyman was the one that believed in her, which is great. It's always good to have someone on your side. But that was not the way to go with Liv Morgan. You, Liv Morgan delivered in every sense of the way that she could in that character. But that's not what she should have been doing. She's been very adamant. Yeah, I'm. you might say I'm here only because I'm a pretty face as a model. But that's not why she's here. She's here because she loves it. That's important to know. And what this documentary did was two things. It showed why you should cheer someone like Liv Morgan. Why she should be on the top of your list as a favorite. Because she works hard to do this. She's someone like you. She's someone like me. She's a fan from the start who did what she could to get there. She didn't go to... She was signed at the age of 20. Her life has been... School, time off from school, doing working and making money, getting her GED, community college, going uh, working at Hooters, to the WWE. That's her life. And her childhood, she makes clear, wasn't easy. But what would she do? She would keep focusing on this dream. And the number two thing you take from this, besides loving Liv Morgan is absolutely despising and questioning the creative process that is the WWE. How do you do this to someone that's an employee of your company? You, and this isn't the only person they do it to. Liv Morgan just happens to be one of the people that was documented. She was the one because her journey is very unique. She was kept off TV. She wasn't allowed to do dark matches. All she could do to wrestle was go to the performance center. And that does not give you the same love of fans cheering you on. Of a reaction around you. Of wrestling in front of a live crowd. That's not the same. Now, don't get me wrong. She got better. That's great. But how is this possible? You see this and you understand why people have left wrestling as fans or as wrestlers themselves. You understand why the John Moxley's of the world and the Miro's of the world crap all over the company because this is a real thing and they documented it on their own network how much of a problem they can be to themselves. It's a joke. That's what it is. It's a joke. I don't get how... First of all, they were willing to just show this to the world. I guess they had no other option. But second, how do you do this to your worker and have an okay feeling with yourself when you go home? Because you cancel her match where she gets to finally go out and wrestle. You keep her off TV this long after splitting her up from her friends. This group she came up with that she became so close with. And you do nothing with her. It's a joke. It's an absolute joke. 
it's frustrating and all we can do really is cheer for someone like Liv Morgan I was doing it before I hope you're doing it now but that's all we can do because unfortunately we can't bring change to the WWE like we'd want to we can't bring change to the writers room the only people that can bring change are the wrestlers and the people that work for that company and it all comes from the top now she had so many false hopes that's what hurt a lot because there was multiple times she'd be like oh well okay they're giving me a chance they're giving me a chance and in the end it was just to be Lana's lover and that's because Paul Heyman was like okay we need to put her on TV she's talented she's worthy of doing it and Paul Heyman has this really nice thing he said where she's not someone you can characterize she's going to be who she wants to be and Liv was very clear before she got back with Ruby Riot. she wasn't sure who she was she wasn't sure what this character was she just showed up but she was happy to be on TV that's where these wrestlers end up they don't know who they are anymore but hey I'm happy to be on TV and I get that I get that in a tough working condition you're gonna be appreciative of being on television and getting time to shine now what I do want to finish this with this was a great documentary and it should only set up Liv Morgan to shine moving forward Liv Morgan and Ruby Riot should be tag team champions Liv Morgan should get to shine in the SmackDown division because truthfully after Sasha Banks Bailey and Bianca Belair there's room to be filled and Liv Morgan should be at the top of that list Liv Morgan is a very good wrestler Liv Morgan shows that she has character let her show that she feels like she has this new start to her career now that she's with Ruby it's back to square one which she's appreciative of Ruby Riot's very determined they're going to be Hall of Famers. I hope they are. But in the end of this documentary, all I can say is let Liv Morgan finally shine. Let her shine. After what you put her through and what you showed us, the only right thing is to let her shine. Now, we have to wait till SmackDown to see how they display this now that Liv Forever is aired. She better be on TV or I'm going to be very angry, and you'll hear that next week. So we'll see. It's a waiting game now. But it's a very good documentary. I highly recommend you check it out. And tell me, inform me how you feel about it all. Do you gain respect for Liv Morgan? Does she become one of your favorites? And do you lose even more respect for WWE, who blatantly does this to multiple superstars? I'm going to guess yes. Now, let us get into some stardom real quick before we finish it off with Raw, SmackDown, and NXT with TakeOver predictions. First up is Momo Watanabe versus Mina. This was, um, I believe this is like a house show, live event type match. Put on Stardom World, but I wanted to check it out because I've never seen, I'm, I don't even know if I'm saying her name correctly, Mina. I don't know how to say her last name, so better than make myself look like an idiot twice, we're just going to look like an idiot once, which is fair. And, you know, as we prepare for this massive match at the right before Christmas for Momo, I wanted to see how 
dominant she'd look in a match with, you know, a pretty newcomer. She's uh, mean as part of the Cosmic Angels, who are kind of rising up the ranks. So it was going to be a good match. And it was a first-time ever match. So that's automatically very exciting to me. And I really enjoyed it. I think what these two showed was that Hey, even at a live event, we could put on a fun first time ever match. And Momo is just so good. I feel like I've been having these conversations as of late where we just discuss who's the most consistent in the ring every week. And I, you know, I don't count Mayu. I just don't because to me, she's the best in the world. So not counting her to me, it has to be Momo. Every match she puts on. Is stunning. It's great. It's awesome. And this was another good match. She's consistent. And that's what I like in my favorite wrestlers, folks. She ended up winning. Continuing that momentum. Towards her main event match with Utami. For the Red Belt. It's very exciting. And the other match I wanted to watch was the... Final... Match of that show... I don't really remember what show it was off the top of my head. That's on me. That's on me. But it was Donna Del Mondo. Julia. Siri. And Hamika versus Utami. Azumi. And Saya. What an excellent match this was. And it gave us this excellent teaser of something that's going to be coming within the next year I have to guess and that Julia versus Otami these two went at it at one point during the match and you instantly were like okay this is a main event feud this is the feud for the white belt or the red belt that we need to see and there's going to be a time where Julia holds the red belt that goes without saying and there's a time that she has to lose the white belt when will that happen I'm not sure but DDM won this match, but it wasn't about that to me. It was about Tommy and Julia going at it. And, you know, Alex, who I've talked about multiple times on the show, pointed out to me before the match that this was going to happen. It was a treat, and guess it was. It was. He doesn't tend to lie when it comes to stardom. He's the reason I'm into this for the most part. I mean, I wanted someone to help me guide my way to joining the show and understanding stardom. And he was the one that helped me. I mean, it was just, hey, I'm a big fan of Io Shirai. She's my favorite. And this is where she started. So, you know, give me a list. Let me see these matches that made her famous. While also giving me matches that made Stardom famous as one of the best wrestling companies in the world. And this was just another case of he teased something for me. And that was excellent. Tommy versus Julia. Yeah. That's that's going to be. That's going to be great. That's all I can say. I highly recommend watching these two matches. Um, again, we're just weeks away from the massive show. Right before Christmas on December 20th. Where Utami defends the Red Belt for the very first time. Against her Queen Quest 
partner, group member, whatever you want to call it, in Momo Watanabe. And the co-main is Julia versus Siri. So, like, there is no bad here. Very excited for that show. Now, let's get on to SmackDown and Raw before we wrap it up with NXT. What we had on SmackDown this week was pretty good. Pretty good, to say the least. We had Sami Zayn versus Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan wins. He gets a shot at the Intercontinental Championship, something they've been teasing for some time. And Sami Zayn, you know, has been one of the best talents on TV for WWE oh, since he came back. So this is going to be good. And Sami Zayn wins by any means necessary. And that's what he did here. So he runs to the back. Daniel Bryan's like, all right, I'm going to chase him so, you know, we don't get counted out. We want He wants to get this win in the ring. And we see uh, Sami Zayn run back. No Bryan in sight. Ten count. Sami Zayn wins the match. We eventually learn that it was Jey Uso who took out Daniel Bryan. But the ref couldn't see that. So why would there be disqualification? Sami Zayn's your winner. Now, before we get to the Jey Uso stuff, I want to talk about what would happen after. And that's Sami Zayn talking to Big E. Big E pretty much just set himself up for next in line. And when I say next in line, he's not only next in line, he's going to be the champion. They teased the five count, if you remember the five count from NXT. That was kind of a hype moment. And Big E got very, he was laughing and not not so serious like he usually is. But by the end of the 10 count, as he squeezed Sammy's hand, he was serious. This is the Big E we like to see. We like to see a little bit of both. Because he's really good at that serious side and he's really good at the comedic side. I think the right move, especially if we're not going to be giving Big E that big win at the Royal Rumble right now, and we're going to hold off for now because of a possible Rock match, is crowning him with the Intercontinental Championship and featuring that like it should be. I think that's the move here. Now, back to the Jey Uso stuff. Jey Uso is attacking Daniel Bryan. Kevin Owens comes to help, saying a match for the two later on, and... Kevin Owens got in the face of Roman Reigns and Jey Uso saying, I'm sick of your family problems affecting the roster. Affecting the SmackDown roster. That's not okay with me. And that just pissed Roman off. Roman made it very clear, Jey Uso, make him fear me. That's what you need to do. Because if he doesn't fear me, that's problems for you and this family. Setting up another main event match between Jey Uso and Kevin Owens. This time, Kevin Owens had the right number. And Uso tried to take him out with the chair. Kevin Owens bounced back, stunned him, started beating him down with the chair. And this is where we flip into the mode that Kevin Owens is best at. He's screaming to the camera, Roman, I'm not scared of you. I'm not scared of you, and I'm going to take your Universal Championship. This was an instance where I sat there and thought, Kevin Owens is WWE's most versatile 
performer signed to this company. He could be that comedic, fun guy who's a pretty good baby face, but when the switch flips, he can be as serious and badass as you need him to be. And this is the Kevin Owens that I think is the best Kevin Owens. This is the Kevin Owens that I wanted to see, and this is the Kevin Owens we got. We're setting up for Roman Reigns versus Kevin Owens. I don't think Kevin Owens will be winning the Universal title. But it's a perfect program for TLC. I do expect Daniel Bryan to eventually be involved as well. But this is going to be great. And if they have a TLC match, awesome. If they have a regular match, awesome. If you remember back to their feud when Kevin Owens was Universal Champion, they had some excellent matches, including at the Royal Rumble. So I expect nothing less here. Now, let's get on to Raw. Raw had two notable things. AJ Styles defeated Riddle and Keith Lee to become the number one contender. That's a good match for Drew. It's a win. But it's a good championship match because beating AJ Styles is no easy feat. And that's a good look for him as he continues to build this title reign now something I didn't love on Raw was that Lana pinned Shayna Baszler thanks to Asuka no thanks to Nia Jax but she pinned Shayna Baszler now I understand we're doing this luck thing with Lana that's fine whatever but we don't we don't pin we don't pin Shayna Baszler please please don't there, there needs to be a time where we just get Shayna versus Asuka and Shayna dethrones her for that Raw Women's title. I mean, we can't be having Liv Morgan hold... T- uh, not Liv Morgan. Not Liv Morgan. I love Liv Morgan. Holy shit. I am very sorry. I was reading my document here. I read Liv forever and I lost it. There's no way we need Lana holding any sort of gold. None. Zippo. And it's clear we're going to get Asuka and Lana versus Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler for these titles down the line. And there has to be a decent chance that Lana and Asuka win, but I wouldn't do that. I was adamant earlier I want Liv Morgan and Ruby Riot to beat them. I still think they can beat them, and they should beat them. If this is a layover where you know Lana just ends up getting destroyed and we end the fairy tale ending, that's perfect. Give her these few wins as long as she gets destroyed in the end. Now let's get to NXT and NXT TakeOver War Games. This week of NXT was very good. It wasn't AEW good, but it was very good. Uh, We had, you know, the final build towards the pay-per-view. There was nothing crazy. What we did learn within the past week is what's clear is that Shotzi Blackheart will be teaming with Rhea Ripley, Ember Moon, and the NXT Women's Champion, Io Shirai. Making this match the perfect showcase for the women of this brand. That's what this War Games match is. So, let's get into the preview because that will bring up the topics from NXT this week. We have Tommaso Ciampa facing Timothy Thatcher. 
at War Games. Champa has been very adamant in the past couple weeks of trying to get Thatcher's attention. Thatcher didn't want to fight. He didn't. He didn't want to fight Champa. He wanted nothing to do with it. And this week, Champa got on his face again, and Champa got put to sleep by Timothy Thatcher. That's where we get this match. And the way they're building this, I think it's going to be a Tommaso Champa win. I don't know what they're doing with Timothy Thatcher, but he doesn't come off, to me at least, as a major name for this brand. There's just better options. And, the, again, the way they're using Tommaso Ciampa as the door opener, the the chief, the gatekeeper of NXT, seems like another win. You know, he beat Velveteen Dream, beat Timothy Thatcher, and we'll get to a point where there's someone that stops him. But I'm picking Tommaso Ciampa to win this match. Now, Dexter Loomis versus Cameron Grimes in a strap match. Can't say this is exciting me too much. But I also can't say it's going to be bad. I'm taking Cameron Grimes to squeak out the win here. Because I think Cameron Grimes' future is far brighter than Dexter Loomis's, at least in NXT. So I'm taking Grimes. This feud doesn't really interest me anymore. The sooner we wrap it up, the better. But there's a great chance, you know, Loomis wins. But I'm taking Grimes. The North American Championship will be on the line as Leon Ruff defends it against both Damian Priest and Johnny Gargano. This week we saw Damian Priest team up with Leon Ruff to defeat the Gato del Fantasma. Leon Ruff was on uh, 205 Live last week. Interesting. And, you know, we've seen these seeds planted for some time. The Gargano-Priest feud has lasted two takeovers. That's something. But this time has Leon Ruff in it. Who do I pick to win? I'm picking Damian Priest. Damian Priest should have never lost the title in the first place. And Johnny Gargano should not hold the title again. Unfortunately... I don't think Leon Ruff will be holding the title anymore. I would love, that would be my main choice, but I think the smart choice is Damian Priest. Now this is, this. We, let's get to the matches that are really selling this takeover. Because we're here to watch this takeover for one reason and one reason only. And that is War Games. That's the name of it. That's all that matters every time we have it. Those are the matches that count. Every single year, War Games has stolen the show. Last year was the first time we had a Women's War Games. This year, we have another one. So let's start with the Men's War Games. The Undisputed Era. Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly, Bobby Fish, and Roderick Strong face off with the kings of NXT, or as they like to call Team McAfee. But you know what? They call themselves the kings of NXT, and that's the name I'm rolling with, because I like it. Pat McAfee. Pete Dunn and the NXT Tag Team Champions, Oni Lorcan and Danny Burch. Team McAfee, the Kings of NXT, have the advantage in this match, as you would expect. And I'm picking the Undisputed Era to win this because 
they've been the underdogs this whole time, and they've lost the last two war games that they've been in. They're one and two. It seemed right that they notched that win, and it's it's going to be a big win. Now, where would the McAfee group go after if they lost? I don't know, but I do think it is an undisputed era victory. And on to the women's war games. This is the match, folks. It'll probably lead off the night. It should end the night. Team Shotzi versus Team Larray. On Team Larray, we got Candice Larray leading the squad of her, Dakota Kai, Raquel Gonzalez, and Tony Storm. Excellent four, in my opinion. Raquel Gonzalez has really established herself as a real contributor and a real part of this division. She's very good, so excited for that part. Versus Team Shotzi, as Shotzi Blackheart will lead her team of her. Rhea Ripley, Ember Moon, and the NXT Women's Champion Io Shirai. They have the advantage. This is the first time in a long time, I feel like, that the baby faces have the advantage. Now, you gotta you gotta ask the question here. Does that mean they lose somehow? Or does someone turn? Or does someone get injured before? We will see. If I had to guess, I could see them keeping Ember Moon out of this match. If that's the injury angle they want to go. But they did that last year, so I don't understand why they do that. This is a tough pick. Because, you know, you have the NXT Women's Champion on one side. And you have Blackheart, who's been trying to get that major win. I guess you can count the ladder matches that. I don't. I think a major win would be in the War Games. Now, if we're trying to set up the next challenger for Io Shirai, you have a Tony Storm pin Io Shirai to win the match. But if we're pinning Io Shirai in this match, then we're just we're just kidding ourselves. It should come down to Shotzi getting the final pin, in my opinion. I think Shotzi Blackheart's team will win. I'm just feeling a babyface night for war games, and I feel like that's the way we should go. But who knows? Who knows where this goes? All I know is I'm excited for it. These two war games matches are going to kick butt. And the other three matches are fine. They're going to be entertaining. Now, I'm very curious to see how this fits inside the Capital Wrestling Center, as the Capital Wrestling Center is literally just the performance center, which doesn't look that big. So, very intriguing to see how that goes. But, you know, I don't have much more to talk about. That was the NXT TakeOver War Games preview and predictions. We had a lot to talk about this week. We'll have a lot to talk about next week. So, until then, be safe, watch plenty of wrestling, and we will be back next week covering Impact. AEW, NXT TakeOver War Games, we'll review all that. And, you know, everything else, as always, expect 
more stardom. Expect the rest. Be safe. Have a good week, everybody. Happy holidays. See you guys.